Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of My Buddy Green, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the My Buddy Green podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at mybuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. This episode is sponsored by MindBodyGreen classes and trainings, where you can learn from world-class experts from the comfort of your own home. The MindBodyGreen class library has educational programs you can't find anywhere else. From yoga and meditation to nutrition and personal growth, our classes have something for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a wellness warrior, MindBodyGreen classes will take you further on your wellness journey. You can find our classes at mindbodygreen.com classes. That's mindbodygreen.com slash classes. Enter the promo code podcast on checkout to receive 15% off your next purchase. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the first ever Mind Body Green podcast with the lovely Amanda Chantel Bacon, the founder and CEO of Moon Juice, a dear friend of of myself and Colleen and my buddy Green. It's such an honor to have you here. Thank you. Such a pleasure to be here. We're straight off the farm. We are straight off the farm. So we were just, so for, for those watching and listening, we were just in, where we were we? Outside of London? The farmhouse? Oxfordshire. Oxford, Oxfordshire. <laughs> <laughs> so we were just at the Business of Fashion. So it was a big fashion event like Mario Testino, John Galliano, Amanda Chantel Bacon. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Uh, but like bringing us to fashion. So talk about growing up and your connection to fashion and your mom. And we're going to, I want to start early with you before we jump in, we're going to finish with your, your must buy cookbook, which is right here. But so, so tell, let's start early. Let's start early. Let's go there. You grew up in New York. I grew up in New York. I mean, I started really, if we want to go really early, it was so interesting being at that event. Um, and it, brought it was one of those warble full circle like wah, wah, life moments um because i can remember being with mario at my house in fire island and i was probably three or four younger than my kid is now he was a kid yeah. my mom was a kid um there were a whole bunch of kids that have gone on to be the kingpins of you know the creative fashion world but i can go back there and remember and they were having fun and they were hustling and they were super creative and as a child that was such a wonder to be around um and i have little little pictures that i actually still have in my phone now that mario Mario took yeah me with like chocolate all over my face or me you know like making a sand castle or something (laughs) and so you know 30 something years later there he is on stage and so eloquent and um, has aged so gracefully into a tuxedo and you know is really being celebrated and it just forced me to take a moment and look at my trajectory and you know what started off as everybody in this creative or zygote (laughs) you know phase um my path was to reject the whole thing at some point you know that was like my rebellious move was wearing jeans and well let's talk about how about your mom first of all like your mom wasn't 
a normal mom to some no, degree. No, she's not like, a normal mom, <laughs> like in so like many ways. Who your, your mom was <laughs> and why Mario Testino was hanging out with her right. on Fire Island. So. Um, my mom was the was Betsy Johnson's partner. Yep. So um, Betsy was the creative wildfire yep. genius. My mom kind of channeled that and honed it and turned it into pretty major business, which I really oh, took sure. for granted as I was growing up. But being in business now, I look at that and I'm like, wait, mom, how many brick and mortars did you have all over the country? What? How many did they have? Like more than 50. Oh, wow. It's crazy. Yep. And then she, before she left and sold her part, she was, you know, doing licensing deals in Japan and, you know, like had a pretty major. Wow. Yeah. She, she like myself, did not go to college. Yep. Um, certainly didn't have a business degree. Yeah. Just found something that she was passionate about and all hustle. Just hustle. Yep. I really reflect back on a lot of her hustle now, and she was not hustling yep. with adaptogens. Yep. Bless her. <laughs> so you grow up in Chelsea. Yeah. In the '90s, and then you start to experiment with stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was like already experimenting by the 90s. So I grew up in Chelsea in the 80s. The 80s, by the, right. by the time the 90s came, I think... You weren't the I, clean living... No, no. Uh, people are always... It's like, what, are you not from Northern California? You didn't grow up in Essel? It's like, no, I come from the most up. neurotic island on the planet. Yep. Um, from like a pretty neurotic little scene. Yep. Um, and... I took two tabs of acid by myself when I was in sixth grade. So we were. So was that during school or on the weekend? That was on or the what weekend. Was the, what was the context of that? That was on the weekend. It's like so you <laughs> by know. myself in the woods. Oh really? Um, yeah. That's so that a, you know that was my first foray into. So you just skip like booze and cigarettes and just went. Straight I just to went acid? straight for the no no no. I I was into the cigarettes. Got it. I think, yeah, I started like smoking some cigarettes under under a bridge with um, some kids, some like local ruffians from Sag Harbor, <laughs> some like, <laughs> yeah, some like so Native you know, American. Sag Harbor is not exactly <laughs> no, the, but, there, uh... but you know what? There's actually like a local scene. Oh, totally. Yeah. In Sag Harbor where it was like a Native American, like bike gang, um, bicycle gang. I, they showed me how to smoke cigarettes. That's funny. <laughs> and so you go from that to, so needless to say, you were experimenting with a lot of stuff at a young yeah. age. Not exactly healthy. No, not exactly healthy, but I also look at it and um, it very much sculpted me. Sure. In, you know, it all seems part of the path. And there was never a point in my life where I was just um, senselessly abusing my body sure. or getting really sloppy and wasted. Yep. Um, I went heavy after the psychedelics mm -hmm. and it was always with this, um, really this intention and this desire to transcend whatever I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't super happy yep. growing up in the confines of, um, you know, my family dynamic. And then the layer on top of that was this like really bureaucratic school thing. I didn't fit into the sure. educational model. I didn't so aspire. So you want like the, the cool, like, you know, super successful student? No. Yeah. What no. was school like for you? Enjoyable? Terrible? It was awful. 
I, I really appreciated all of the knowledge, yeah. and I think that's part of me. It's just like yeah. the voracious appetite for mm -hmm. knowledge, um, but the way that it was delivered, the way I was evaluated, um, this like fear-based administration thing happening just sure. did not feel good to me. Um, I just wanted out. Yeah. I was also diagnosed with, I mean, like so many things, you know, it's like I was put on so yeah, many. Talk, talk about all the health issues you've. Yeah, so at a very young age, I had um, respiratory issues that, you know, after being put on a whole bunch of antibiotics and this and mm -hmm. that, and none of it worked. I was diagnosed by an Ayurvedic doctor who found me in the health food store on 13th Street. Integral. And did an was it on integral yeah. yoga? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, um, did an on-spot pulse diagnosis. So you're just at like in, paint the picture. So you're in the health food store, and there's like an Ayurvedic doctor. Yeah, in there I was like just, four or five. Yeah. Well, you know, Sachidananda maybe had him as a guest or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Some divine intervention going yep. down. As I don't know, you know, my life really. When I look back at my life and look at all the pieces, and especially when they come to full circle and they weave in on top of each other, I really um. You, you see that you are on a path. Yep. Um, so diagnosis me, gives me very simple instruction, which now seems so normal. Sure. No sugar, no wheat, no dairy yep. in you know, 1986. Wow, so how old are you Not normal. Then? So you're? Four. Wow. Not normal. That's pretty heavy. Yeah, it's like, what's that? For your four-year-old and you meet some Ayurvedic doctor who's <laughs> yeah. like, no meat, no sugar, no dairy. And no, like, no wheat, no sugar, no dairy. Oh, so no that wheat. really cut oh, wow. out on the island of Manhattan what were children eating that didn't contain sugar, wheat, and dairy. Well, this Can is you also think like the thing? age of like low fat, too. Like low fat is thriving in calories. Yeah, I mean, 80s. I don't even know if we were there yet with low fat, were we? Or it's like processed. I feel like this was like pre- anything. But I feel like the 80s was just processed food. Yeah. Like explosion. Yes. Like everything was processed. It was sugar, wheat, and dairy in a box. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I started there. Yep. I really tried to escape it, especially at birthday parties. Yep. I was like, okay, no one's watching. I'm going to have that pizza and that sure. ice cream cake. I'd go back to coughing all night, not being able to breathe. Jesus. Blah, blah, blah. Life is not so good. So these were lessons that I really took in at age four or five. Wow. Um, sure. So at that point, I really understood on a deep cellular level that what you put into your body directly affects your life experience. Yep. And there's no hiding from that. And that's yep. maybe a lesson that people start to learn in college maybe sure. you start to pick that up when your metabolism slows down and you're like in your 30s and your pants don't fit yep. and you're like i guess i can't hide and eat the um the candy bars and the beer right because it's going to show up somehow this was what i was dealing with at four yeah so um it really uh it trained me yeah and required a lot of um discipline yeah and so fast forward, so you start to, you're starting the path mm -hmm. to some degree. Yeah. And then what happens in your teens? Lead me up to your teens when you decide, So that you was decide, the physical like, path. I want to get out of here. Okay, so that was the <laughs> physical path. Then by the time I was in sixth grade, I was so um, hungry to have psychedelic experiences 
that um, I got my hands on some acid and like took it in the woods um, and had that experience. And um, I haven't stopped since. You know, the methods have changed and modes have certainly <laughs> changed, but it took a lot of experimenting with um, ingestible chemicals, really. Sure. But, well, there were some plants there too. And what I learned through all of that was, you know, I, I saw a lot, I experienced a lot. It's so strange as a parent now to also think, my God, I was in the woods having that kind of experience right. when, you know, I look at my son and I'm like only six years older than him. Right. Um, but that opened a lot for me. It answered a lot. It clarified a lot. It pushed and moved me yep. in a way that I didn't find um, school, society, mentors, parents. I didn't mm -hmm. really have anyone um, answering sure. or pushing me in that way, except you know these like cosmic experiences yep. I was having. And then there was a point when I started to hear a voice when I would take these chemicals. Mm -hmm. And there was now a layer that was outside of the chemically induced experience mm -hmm. um, speaking to me and aware that there were chemicals that were in my body pushing, pushing the experience. And so I hooked on to that voice and mm -hmm. identified with that voice um, as consciousness, as my own consciousness, yep. and then thought, hey, I want to live in that space, the thing that's larger than the part of me that is being moved by these chemicals. Because um, the place that that voice is coming from is omnipotent and mm -hmm. also myself, yep. but something greater. So when do you, so fast forward to your teens when, and we're going to come back to that, the voice of mm -hmm. consciousness and, and what that means to you today, but you decide you want to get out of New York. Mm -hmm. So what do you do next? I'd been, I, I'd been um, selling weed. Okay. <laughs> for cash. Um, you know, always, always peddling plants. We're not entrepreneur at an early age, yeah. And um, saved up some cash yep. and decided I was not going to college. And, um, you know, I think had parents that on one hand had faith that I was going to be safe and needed to go on my own path and explore. Um, and on the other hand, were probably just like really frustrated and fed up with me and didn't yep. quite know what to do. So just let go yep. and let me go. Just Wonderful. Recommend yeah. that for parents. Um, and I hit the road, man. I got a one-way ticket to Italy. Yeah. This was before smartphones. This was before the Euro. <laughs> I didn't have a computer. There yeah. weren't computers. Like, people didn't really have laptops unless right. you were a businessman. Um, right. There was an internet cafe that you paid by the minute sure. in Lira, but I didn't use it. I think there was an, an AOL email. Yeah. I think about that now. I don't know if I have... I don't know if I would do that now. Yep. I don't know if I have the guts to, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And so you decide- I had some traveler's checks though. You start to, you decide you want to cook though. Yes. Right? So I went there in the hopes that um, 
two things. One is I was super interested in um, possibly becoming an educator yep. and uh, looking into the Montessori and the Waldorf teaching mm -hmm. methods. And I also thought that fine art would be a medium. Yep. And so I went there in hopes of, you know, going to one of the art schools there or teaching, mm -hmm. assistant teaching at one of the art schools. And I found that I couldn't get away from the ingredients. Yep. And this was pre-farm to table movement. So yep. I hadn't quite seen anything like it. And going to these farmers markets and really getting into the cheeses that were made by cows that were in some Appalachian or I'm sorry, that would be American, in some <laughs> alpine hillside that, you know, like they were milked when the purple thistle flower came out and yep. by them eating that, it scented the milk and the cheese was just made with that and then wrapped in some late, I mean, you yep. know, all those crazy stories and yep. this herb and the medicinal value of that. So I, I couldn't escape that. I really couldn't. And um, so you're like, I'm in, I want to do this. Yeah, not fully. I've still kept pushing for the, um, I should show up for that studio painting class, <laughs> right? Someday you may circle back to that. Maybe, and maybe. So, so how do you end up in culinary school? Um, I lived in Italy yep. and did that. I then went to New Zealand to actually teach kindergarten. Oh wow, I don't know about that. Yeah. So you're in Italy, you're doing you're just exploring and then you're like, all right, I'm gonna go to New Zealand. I was in Italy and I was trying to get myself to school. Okay. Um and I was, you know, like having some food awakening or okay. something instead. And uh then I went to go fill in a teaching position in New Zealand yep. for a teacher that had gone on maternity leave and um it was a really cool school. It was this charter school, and New Zealand at the time was some, you know, like Switzerland of the South Pacific, and so they had all mm -hmm. these refugees that were there, and all these children getting pumped into the public school system that didn't speak English. Mm. And so they really needed a lot of help in this one specific school, and... Um, I don't know, I, I realized after a while I'd make the worst, great parent. Bad teacher. Horrible teacher. <laughs> I just like, I had like inappropriate um, faith and energy yep. in yep. some children and zero interest in others. Yep. Horrible. <laughs> so then where do you go from there? Um, then I went back to New York yep. and I was doing um, PR for less than six months for yep. a company. And, um, uh, and then fell in love or, or had had a long distance love story happening with someone that from New York that I had run into in Italy. And um, we ran away to Central America and took buses and found ourselves all the way sometime later in um, Buenos Aires. Oh, wow. And living there, between yep. there and Uruguay, a town called Jose Ignacio, um, for about four years. Oh, wow. And um, I studied science there. I, I love science. Really? Um, so I was actually taking 
biology courses, half of it was in Espanol. I mean, like, yeah. I don't know how I was taking biology in Spanish, but I was there doing yeah. that. Um, and then I also was writing and I was working with an incredible author who is also a university teacher. Yeah. Um, and simultaneously opening up a hotel project, getting that ready to go, which never came to fruition. And then from there, so is food like, in, is, is still like in the it's back all of happening. your mind? It's all so in the back of your mind. It's, yeah. in the, it's in the front of my mind. So yeah. as all of this is happening, um, traveling all over South America, everywhere I go, it's all about food. I really uh, stepped into the culinary scene in yeah. Jose Ignacio and Buenos Aires, and they had uh, food and wine and cocktail scene yep. that was a lot stronger than yep. ours was at the yep. time. Um, all my friends were opening restaurants. I was getting in and cooking with them and getting behind the bar and watching all of that magic and learning so much. Yep. And so what years, catch me up, where are we now in the timeline? Oy. Um, my mind is so nonlinear. We're exposing that right now. <laughs> no <one's perfect. laughs> um, that must be early two thousands. Yeah, like maybe two thousand five. Okay. okay, and then so what? Where do you go from there? What's next? So, what um, we're walking into the moon juice timeline slowly. I know the moon juice timeline is a little more. <laughs> well, there's <laughs> all these like... interesting things that happened before then. Yeah. And I think they all lead up like it's they telling do. a story. So. so that did not want, you know, grand love story. Um, did not work. Did not work. Yep. And with that, it did not make sense to carry on that project. And so I took that moment to kind of correct a little bit and yep. realize that if I was so passionate about the food and the drink and the hospitality yep. that I was going to bring to this project, I better get in the kitchen and actually mm -hmm. figure out how to proficiently cut an onion. Yep. Because if I was going to be managing people doing that, I needed to be able to hop sure. in and do it myself. And by the way, that was my passion yep. and I wanted to get into that. So I did some research and found this school in the Green Mountains in Vermont and um, I really wanted something that addressed more than just the technical skill. Yeah. And I was super interested in food politics, sustainability. Yep. Again, this was not a huge conversation happening yep. in America. And like how what's your diet like back then? Like are you are you on this path still of you know, no wheat, no dairy. Like, where are you there? Like, yeah. partying, all that stuff? Um, like, no, avoiding avoiding sugar, wheat, and yeah. dairy as much as I could in the land of empanadas yeah. and <laughs> alfajor. Um, but coffee yeah. was part of my daily life. Um, so red wine was part of yeah. my daily life. Um, but acid is not at this point. No, acid is acid not. Acid is gone. That's all that. <laughs> So, acid, acid is way gone. Well, you're in Vermont. I have to ask, you know. Oh uh, yeah, no, and in Vermont, it got even healthier. This was, I guess, I'm okay. talking about um, living in South America. Yep. No, you know that the acid and the mushrooms and the psychedelics and all of that really. By the time I was 16, 17, and leaving New York, that moment was really wanting to transcend the confines yep. of like fear based goal making and expectations yep. and um, 
how can I come out life and how can I come out that expansiveness mm-hmm. from a much different place? Yep. So, so you're in Vermont. So. Right. So then I go to Vermont yep. and I'm living in a barn by myself yep. in the snow in the winter. And I didn't have a driver's license because I was just driving illegally like in York, South America. And I'm like a New Yorker. And you know what? I failed. <laughs> I failed my driver's test on some parallel parking thing. Some parallel parking thing. Which I now do proficiently, like 25 <laughs> times a day, like a fucking champ. Oops. It's fine. This isn't the okay. same show. You can okay. say whatever you want. Um, like a fucking champ. There you go. That's the Amanda <laughs> I know. All right. Now you're coming out of your shell. Um, yeah, I failed. So, you know, it's just like I had some real, uh, I had some wounds around getting the yep. driver's license and just like didn't want to fail again, didn't want to have that moment. So I got snowshoes instead. I don't know if you know Vermont, but like, I know Vermont, yeah. Yeah, when it snows, it snows. Oh yeah, it's serious. It's so serious, and I, was, I had to get around. You start I was in a bakery. And it's like a snowdrift, and it's like, oh shit. Yeah, you, sometimes <laughs> you can't open your door. Yeah. That happened. Um, and I worked at a bakery where I had to be there before it was light out, and I was taking classes. And so, what's it like being weed free working in a bakery? <sighs> well, first of all, you inhale it. Yeah. So there's that happening. Um, so we, and I started to actually get insane inflammation in my body. Um, it's kind of, it's, a, it's not that great because so you like, inevitably wind up eating all this delicious stuff you're making. There, okay, there is, I just have to like quickly put in here because this is an amazing bakery moment and I'll probably never work in a bakery again. And you'll probably never work in a bakery, no. but there's this secret little move as you work in a bakery and they're called dough hits. And so you ferment, yeah, you ferment dough overnight in these yep. big rubber trash cans. And so the dough is rising and it's all crazy. And when you pull, when you pull it out in the morning to get your dough out and make little balls out yep. of it, portion it out. When you open the lid off of the rubber can, there's this off gas that comes out. <laughs> from the fermentation yep. and um, you stick your head in it and you inhale it yep. and um, kind of gives you a head rush. <laughs> there you go. The junkie in you comes out. I know. Yeah. Um, uh, so in, in the back of your mind, like, are you starting to think about like the moon juice or something like, are you, are you thinking like, I'd no. like to do my own thing. Yeah. Like, so how do you, how do you go? So you're in Vermont. What happens next? I'm in Vermont. I'm living in the barn. I don't have a car. I'm like getting everywhere on high tech snowshoes. Yep. I'm working in the bakery. You know, I'm, I'm getting trained, but yep. I'm also working at as many restaurants as I can. I wanted to find a mentor. That's where I was at. Yep. I really wanted to find somebody that I believed in um, and who was changing the world. And I was, you know, the little like food activist in mm-hmm. me was coming alive to dough hits at dawn. <laughs> dough hits at dawn. <laughs> um, so I wrote a letter to Suzanne Goen, yep. um, who had worked with Alice Waters and yep. came from that camp. And I knew that Alice was really not in the kitchen every day, but Suzanne really was. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's not a secret. She's more of a politician now. Yes. Um, I wrote Suzanne, hey. Did she write her handwritten note? Like, No, no. You, I, I, typed, typed? I typed to her email. Um, again, still before smartphones. Yep. Um, so what do you say? Like, I want to come I'm work I'm super for you. green. Yep. I really respect what you do. I'll get on an airplane. I'll come work for you. Will you take yep. me on? 
can I stage? Meaning, you know, you don't have to pay for me. And um, she wrote right back. Couldn't really? believe it. So then you, do you hop on the plane? And yeah. Go, so you, you go to Berkeley? Well, she was in Los Angeles. Oh, and wow. so I had really wanted to move to Berkeley, yeah. San Francisco, as all good foodies sure. do. And she's in Los Angeles. And I thought, my God, what a hellish place. <laughs> but, you know, she was female. And sure really came from the camp that I loved yeah. and was doing beautiful things. And I would just read her menus, her Sunday supper menus, and it was poetry to me. Yeah. I really understood her language. Um, I show up, oh my God, I can't tell you how much I fucked up in that kitchen. It's just awful. <laughs> well, so where's this restaurant? What was the name of it? West Hollywood, Luke. Okay. Yeah, so I wind up going there. Um, you know, I think like my first job was to slice Meyer lemons, yep. razor thin, and my knife skills were not there. I just like had no, I mean, it was extremely overwhelming. I was terrified. Yeah. Um, but they took me on. Yep. And so I wound up moving to a little garage down the block. I still didn't have my driver's license. Oh my God. So I had a bicycle. And um, I was living in someone's garage down yep. the block. Like Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Without the blow dryer, though. <laughs> so you're working in the kitchen now. So what are you? What, what's going on in your head? Um, the only thing that was going on in my head was, you know, learning, learning more, and honing my skill. And um, I really went into a mode for a few years there where I didn't exist outside of the kitchen. I don't. Wow. I barely saw the light of day. Yep. Um, I was so committed. I was so into it. So I was so it. inspired and, um, you know, wound up. Well, this is great, though, because before we get to the moon juice part, like, you know, people say moon juice is this overnight sensation, but like if we're walking through this timeline, people are listening, watching, they're like, okay, like a lot of time has passed. You know, when you're you gotta like, in like Vermont, take two LA, hits of acid in South sixth America. grade <laughs> to like, you know, cleaning the grease trap at three o'clock in right, the morning. But you've already spent years of training in the kitchen at this point. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. so what's next? So you're, you're working at the restaurant. So I'm working in restaurants. So all of that is happening. I'm also watching my, um, my health and my well-being get chipped away at yep. by my lifestyle. And what are the health, all the health issues you, you've been diagnosed with at this point? Oh my gosh! I mean, if I go <laughs> back and look, I'm, <laughs> I've been diagnosed with um, an autoimmune disorder, yep. Hashimoto's, um, a pre-diabetic state, which you know would be unavoidable, and yep. I would it would turn into diabetes. Um, Bipolar, manic depressive, um, anxiety disorders, yep. learning disabilities. Um, Pretty much everything. Like, really everything. And I got put on all of those drugs right. and all of those antibiotics and, um, you know, spent, spent a long time detoxifying right. my body from that. And so that's something we didn't really cover on the timeline and trajectory is that all the while... Um, I'm conscious of the lithium, like heavy load of lithium that I got put on as a teenager. Oh, wow. It's just like one element of all the many cocktails um, of psychiatric drugs. You know, forget the physical, well, the antibiotics, and yeah. 
That's intense. And all of that. But, you know, there was a time in the 90s when kids were just put right. on heavy, heavy drugs, uppers, downers, um, speed during the day, and then also clonopin to counteract. Right. right. You know, it's like when you're put on speed for learning disabilities right. and then... You know, you've got all, sweaty like, palms and can't sleep and have anxiety. Then you get right. diagnosed with having an anxiety disorder right. and put on clonopin and you're on uppers and downers. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm not really that happy with life. And then you're you're depressed. And so right. you get put on all of those things. Um, and those actually collect in your endocrine system. And so I'm quite certain that a lot of the thyroid issues that I had come up were also a result of heavy metals collecting sure. and so um so at this point how are you your health is you're feeling it erode a little bit as you're working um so at this point you know there's a part of me that's feeling really great because um i'm doing something that i love i'm yep. hitting that flow state yep. for many hours a day cooking yep. on the line um i'm eating organic fruits and vegetables straight off the farm but i'm also diving into the pastry kitchen yep. i'm like hitting that white sugar a few times a day and i'm drinking a lot of coffee and i'm yep. drinking a lot of wine and um i'm not meditating anymore because yep. i'm like what age did you start to meditate um actually i started to meditate when my early 20s okay yeah. What type of meditation back then? I was doing breath work that I now know to be breath of fire. Sure. And visualization and yep. those kinds of things, um, which turned into more of a kundalini practice. Um, Interesting. Once I had met the yep. right, right people, and yep. you know that became a very serious practice yep. for me. And um, I still employ that those tools yep. um, but I also do Vedic meditation yep. or you know that's new aka TM yep. Yep. Um, for the last so, few years okay yeah. so you're in the kitchen digging in the white sugar not feeling great what's mm. next what's next is I realize there's a voice inside of me you know and I was at Luke I was I mean I was at different kitchens sure. all over so there's a voice that starts to say hey man you need to get back to your roots because baby you ain't gonna make it too far and this is not gonna be cute. Yep. And my allergies are coming back, my anxiety is coming back, yep. I feel blah. Yep. Um, and I'm realizing it's it's the lifestyle yep. that I'm leading. Um, and so I get out of the kitchen actually and I go into um, the editorial, food editorial yeah. world. So I get offered a job I can't refuse and leave the kitchen. And I was um, a food and wine editor at the LA Times yep. magazine when they tried to do this incredible project that was going to be in the style of T-Mag. And it was, it was a really, really, really great thing that lasted not very long because yep. then there was that 2008. Oh, there, here, I have a li I'm having a linear moment. It was 2008, go. we had All a crash. Right. See, there you go. So there was some time spent there in the editorial world as an editor. Yep. Um, 
I also got to explore journalism, which, yeah. you know, went back to writing, which is something I've done my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, and I got to produce stories. I was also working as a food stylist and yeah. a prop stylist, which paid really well before that crash. Yeah. Um, I really missed food. I really yeah. missed action. I really missed people. Um, I was not super interested in the editorial work that came out of post-crash 2008. Yeah. Um, it really mandated commercial, more, much more commercially driven articles and like what happened to the great fantasy budgets. Um, <laughs> it wasn't Willy Wonka anymore. Right. So I was less interested and wanted yeah. to get back with food. I went on to do um, a restaurant project that yeah. did not bode well. Um, and I really poured my heart and soul into this project and got burned. Um, and I was pretty upset yeah. about that. And I could feel myself at a crossroads where it was like, yeah. if I had the strength in that moment to not dwell on being upset and angry and getting revenge and like, you know, staking a claim into what was mine and like, sure. that's my damn sweat equity. Like if I could really um, move past that and use this as a moment to pause and open myself to something completely different, yep. then that would be the right thing to do. And it took some strength to not fall into that yep. negative spiral. Sure. Um, and, and I meditated and I really asked to be given a mission um, of what the world wanted to see and not what I wanted to see, yep. because that would have been another cozy, aesthetically pleasing um, farm to table concept, yep. which would have been great. But I just figured there's so many people that are doing that and it's gonna continue to happen and you know, like even make it to a Chipotle near you. Yep. So give me something that I can't see and give me something that the world needs now. And I thought maybe I could like go to Mexico and have a little time off yep. and um, because I had just been working for so sure. many years, never seeing the light of day. And then I just asked, and it was like, I think four days later, I think I only went to Mexico for four days and sat <laughs> and really like meditated on that and like, you know, went out there and was given that answer. Which was? Moon juice. Moon juice. So tell me, so like, what, how does it hit you? Like, what's the concept? Like, did the name come first? Did the concept, like, what was it? No, it what, was really... What came to you? Like, um, walk me through that. So at this point, for the last few years, I had gone, like, heavy health weirdo. Yes. Um, and the so whole I time... So I love that you could acknowledge heavy health weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> I meant you were very self-aware. <laughs> Which I love about you. Yeah, it only it only gets worse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I was only heavy health weirdo. Okay, so you have this concept, but like, what what's in your head? Is it I want to do? Well, so at this point, I'm really like my time spent at Luke. Uh, once I got past, you know, the initial yep. excitement of like sugar, wine, yep. gluten, yep. and then like a, a closeted 
health freak yeah. where I'm making my own green juice and I'm bringing it to work and I'm doing cleanses on the line. I did a 21 day cleanse while expediting the line and still, you know, like tasting the duck sauce and spitting it out yeah. and, you know, just crazy stuff, but on fire um, and becoming increasingly more the health weirdo. Um, really like going out there on some cosmic experiences in the morning in Laurel Canyon before getting into the kitchen and it's all happening fast. Yep. (laughs) And, um, so at this point, you know, I'm like, uh, making these $25 smoothies in my underpants at home alone. And, um, it, it started to get real weird, right? around the time I moved in with my kid's name is Rohan, um, yep. his dad. Yep. And so um, his dad had really witnessed the whole so thing. So you fall in love and you have the idea for Moon Juice. I fall in love, um, yep. trying to figure out what to do next, you know, open it up to the universe. The answer is given to me that the world needs some of what I'd been doing at home, which was making crazy juices in the morning, making like super esoteric smoothies that have, you know, like reishi and um, pearl and pine pollen and maca and like, you know, crazy stuff, making my own almond milk. This was, there were no juice bars. This was not happening anywhere else. At this point, are you saying like, do I, do you have the name moon juice? Do you have, there's no name moon juice. Do you like, I want to do a retail location. Like I want to do, okay. It came through and it was like, well, it really came from, Hey man, I can't keep drinking the $25 smoothies by myself in my underpants because <laughs> well you can but I feel too good <laughs> I gotta like get out and share this with the world I mean honestly I was you know drinking the juice and like doing the crazy you know making like mandalas to call in <laughs> some cosmic baby soul and <laughs> like drinking the crazy smoothies and getting so high I was right. so high I was so happy it was so much bliss yep. and I thought this is insane because none of my friends are having this experience and I keep telling them about it and I can kind of make it for them. But like, I just want to put everything behind this. What's so interesting too, is like you've talked about at a young age, experimenting with drugs, psychedelics to like get out of yourself and have like an amazing experience. And you use the same language. But do you see how I like I light up? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I think that's like really. And it was such a bigger experience. And to go back to that voice, it was you know this was a time when I actually really found that voice and um, you know like really align with that. When did you arrive on like I've got the name? Well, I was in San Francisco. There was another name. I was in San Francisco. Um, I had been working with some logo guy yeah. in Brooklyn, and we were trying to get the logo. Um, it was just awful, and it wasn't working. And I had a moment of, you know, it was kind of an uphill battle. And there was no, like, nobody knew that you were meant to get an X1 juice to press. Like, right. there weren't juice shops. There was right. Beverly Hills Juice Shop, and that was it. And there was Organic Avenue in New York. And so I was just trying to figure out how to make it all work. It wasn't an ice cream shop. It wasn't a coffee shop. I didn't, I mean. So how do you come up with Moon Juice? Well, I'm standing there. Such a great name. 
and everyone thought it was terrible. This is this is the lesson: is don't listen to your friends when you have an idea and you have some download that comes from another place, whether it's a song or. Sure. A tech idea, or whatever the hell it is, if you receive information from another place and it hits you, run with it. And when your friends say, "No, moon juice, that's weird. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't roll off the tongue. Yep. It's too weird. I don't get it. Don't listen to them." So how did it come to you? I was in San Francisco. I was at this great coffee place in、um, North Beach, and I stepped outside. And I really just looked at all the logo stuff, and I was like, "Oh, it sucks. The energy is not there. It's you know what? It's a sign. It's a sign, man. It's not meant to be. I can't do it. It's not working. I can't find the retail space. I can't figure out、yep. the logo and the name. And、um, I'm done. I quit. And you know what? I should just go back and like work in a restaurant. I was catering. Right. Was I pregnant too? We'll、oh my、back. god, I we'll was get, pregnant. We'll get back to that. It was like pregnant and catering. Can you imagine Colleen like showing up to your house like with a belly and like some knives ready to cook you dinner? <laughs> well, that happens on a daily basis. But <laughs> okay, so you're so you're in San Francisco. You step outside, and what happens? I step outside, and there's this beautiful old school bus that's coming down from Marin, and. The side of it is painted. It's just like coming out of a cloud, and it's one of those moments where everything just kind of stops,、yep. and you're you just enter some ecstatic bliss. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, man? <laughs> Not like this specific moment. Like I, I get like the bliss moment when yeah, things just make sense. Yeah, you know, when things make、it. sense, or you're in nature and like the birds really talking to you. Anyway,、yeah. the school bus comes out. I swear to God, it just like drives out of a cloud. Quite、yep. literally, and watching it come out and mesmerized by this oil painting on the side, and it's not a normal painted hippie school bus. It's, it's not like, like the, the most easy Mary Pranksters bus. <laughs> no, well, kind of of that fashion, but you know, it's not street art. There's the most beautiful oil painting mural. It's very like Van Gogh esque.、Yep. Painted on the side, and it's a full moon in a night sky. Oh wow! And I just stand there, and I'm literally my thoughts are being interrupted from,、um, "I'm a failure. This plan is stupid. I can't do it." Hinged upon, you know, I can't figure out the logo. Nothing's right. Doesn't feel right anymore. To this comes through, and. Moon juice just drifts into my head, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And that was it. So it was a bus in San Francisco. Yeah. So okay. So and then gonna... everything was right again. So well, yeah. Well, so so you launched <laughs> sort of, sort of. <laughs> so okay. So you launched Moon Juice. So you're fall. You've fallen in love. You're pregnant. That relationship does not work out. No. And while you're launching, Moon Juice. Is happening. So、yeah. what is that like? You're well, pregnant. Well, so I I signed the lease on.、Um, You know, I just kind of like went for it with this relationship.、Yeah. I、um, saw this man. I opened some garden gates to、um, a random, like after wedding brunch that I showed up to to people that I didn't really know. And I see this guy across the way, and he's illuminated. Yep. And I, ju- I just there's so much energy around him, and I look at him. I was like, ah, and I'm actually terrified. This was not a pleasant experience. I'm terrified. 
Um, normally when you see someone that you're going to fall in love with yeah. or some like love at first sight sure. moment, you, it's, it's pleasurable, it's exciting, yeah. you see them, oh my God, butterflies, no, this was awful. I'd never experienced anything like it. And I just, it was like the voice of, you're going to have a child with this person and there's no getting out of it. <laughs> and I, I tried to avoid him and I tried to um, run out of that party and I didn't so speak to him there. So he like, is he pursuing you or is he connect? Like what happens there? Um, or you just... I think, you know, it, his memory of it is he saw someone he was like attracted to, but I was also uh, with in a relationship at the time Got with it. a woman who was my girlfriend. So he thought, um, she's not, there is like a cute like, lesbian <laughs> with her girlfriend. Got it. Um, so I, I couldn't, I, I was in the middle of a breakup as sure. well, but, um, I, he showed up everywhere. He was at every coffee bar I went to, every <laughs> farmer's market. I couldn't get rid of him. And so I just thought, man, we better have this baby so you, <laughs> because so it's you, not going anywhere. So you fall in love. We fall in love um, and it's spectacular. And from the very beginning, he and I um, definitely feel like there's a child yep. that wants to come through, which is crazy. Yep. I was young. Right. Um, and we moved in together and then I'm opening moon juice and I'm catering and you know, everything's happening. And yep. I then we moved to Venice because it made sense to open it in Venice. Yep. Um, I sign a lease on a space in Venice. And then it was really like, you know, all that not trying, but not, not trying to have a baby that we've been doing needs to stop now because yep. I've just signed a lease yep. on a thing and, you know, sure. need to get serious. And then I found out I was pregnant a week later. Wow. Yeah. And so you open Moon Juice and then in, you're pregnant. You I'm pregnant. Your, yeah. I have Rohan. Yeah. Um, and then open the doors to Moon Juice, like, Few weeks later and then how how shortly after that when things did not work out well so, things were not working out right. the whole <laughs> time um so that's hard not only you're pregnant it's really scary well yeah it's like you open a new business it's retail there's nowhere to go you can't escape no and you, i was the juicer man right i was the store manager the juicer the cash register girl, the trainer, the hirer, yeah. the smoothie maker. So that's got to be hard. Like baby you, maker. You're, you're, so you, you open relationships falling apart. Like, what was that like? like what it was, was really, um, it was really scary. And you're like 28 now, right? 28, 29-ish? I like think. You're, else, you're young. I was younger than that. I was 26. Wow. wow. It was really scary. When I was pregnant and knowing that I was in a relationship that was not working, um, I was in a place where I didn't actually have the tools to communicate with yeah. someone in the way that I can now. Um, I was in a, I was in a really bad place with myself personally right. on, you know, in, and I couldn't perform in a relationship the way that I wanted to. I couldn't reach somebody the way that I wanted to. And I couldn't tap into the support that I needed as a pregnant woman 
And that was terrifying. And that was right. not how I wanted to meet my child. That was not how I wanted to meet myself or start a business. And I just thought, whoa, why, why I'm, I'm watching myself fail miserably right now. And I don't even know how to succeed. And I'm about to meet my child and open a business that I'm really passionate about. And I'm not showing up as the person that I need to be right. to succeed. And I, and I don't even know how to access that. Yep. So like you're a single mom. Yeah. <laughs> so like, how do you get through that? Like being a single mom's tough. Like how, how did that, and you're, and you're also a relationship falling. So not only you're a yeah. single mom, you're having a new business, relationship falls apart. No, 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 breakup. Yeah. yeah. Not um, a fun breakup. Not a fun breakup. No. <laughs> well, they're never fun, but. Yeah. This one was like really, really not fun. I, that was my perfect storm. Yeah. The attachments that I had to how my life was going to look, mm -hmm. um, what was going to be handed to me, what what is family, what is success, um, so what how is, deep I needed to dig right. to show up, like all of that got obliterated. So what what did success mean to you back then, and how was that definition? I don't know. I just had you? this assumption that I was the type of person that would get to have a baby with a partner, yeah. enjoy that partnership, have a family, ha you know, I don't, I was, there was a real attachment to that. Sure. And there was also an assumption that that sure. was going to happen to me because I'd seen sure. it in my head. And sure. when that didn't happen and I was rudely <laughs> shown that I didn't yep. even have the tools to make yep. that happen, I couldn't even show up. Yep. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit. So you get through it. Moon Juice is the success. A lot of hard work goes into this. Mm -hmm. You open in Silver Lake. You start to, you know, people start to pay attention. You start to get press. Start mm -hmm. to, like, get this following. Like, everything's going well. And then... Well, hey, on the outside. Well, I mean, always, always going well. Sure, always going sure. well in life. But, like, you know, wanna, there's I, a lot of yeah. stuff. And I want to I want to talk about last year when, like, some of the, 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 the bad stuff, the bad press, so to speak, and how painful and terrible and you know would have been very easy for you to just be like fuck this i'm out yeah like i don't want to like there are these assholes like making assumptions about me and they don't know who i am and like I, why am i doing this yeah but you didn't like how did you get through that like i remember how, how did you get through yeah. like being a public personality and I, that's hard I don't know, you know, it was like another situation, kind of like, hey, your last question, how did you get through having a baby while simultaneously breaking up with the person that you made the baby with on top of simultaneously so like opening moon juice? Yeah. I don't know. This was, this was just like another moment of whatever I took for granted, yeah. whatever assumptions I had about my trajectory and like the way my life was going to look and the way things should go, do not go that way. And yeah. um, now I'm really into it. Now I'm like super <laughs> into these life situations where it's like, hey, just when things are going well or like you think you know what's going to happen, turn the page and it's like a pop-up book all of a sudden. <laughs> and there's like a purple monster with, you know, one psychedelic eye looking at you like and you're like oh shit you know like i'm harold with my purple crayon and 
How can I draw the little dream boat that's going to take me away? I don't know. You know, I, I really think that um, I, don't, I get off on it now. It's like when life hands you things that feel hard and yeah. um, really call to you to change how you're going to think about that situation yeah. and whatever your initial reaction wants to be, if you can pause on that edge and yeah. really like expand into that moment and here I am, here's the situation, here's where I want to be angry, um, afraid, run away, reactive, whatever mm -hmm. that is, feel bad for myself, okay, there's that person, let's use this moment as we're leaving that person behind right? and we're going to somehow figure out how to get to this place yeah. which is somebody who's filled with love and um, doesn't assume that anything is owed to them and is able to continue to get up and show up in love and service every day. So that's some serious shit. How do you get to that place? That's it's what <sighs> What well, practices, what, was this a culmination? Man. <laughs> so is that it? Or is this like a culmination of getting through that breakup? Like, is it well, getting through the experiences? I like, mean, you, you were, you were in the car when I was FaceTiming I um, was. baby daddy and, <laughs> and you saw, you know, we had like, I was proud of that moment. Actually, that was like another full circle moment yeah, as so we were, were in the car. So we're in London and we're going to this amazing business of fashion event and we're driving together this past weekend. And then all of a sudden, you're like, my baby daddy's calling. I'm talking to Colleen on, on one line, and then the next line, you're like, my baby daddy's FaceTiming me. And you're like, oh, that's nice. I'm like, dude, we've come so far. Yep. We, you know, had lawyers that we put against each other. And I have to say, you know, this is like a bit of a rambling point, but this was a serious pinnacle in my, in my life that I definitely use professionally all the time, which was I went to the most awful place I've ever experienced. Um, I lived in a prison of fear. Um, and mm. it took, it was like a very specific life situation where, you know, it was like, I'm strung out on the fear that, you know, my child's not going to be okay. So I somehow created or was experiencing this like totally psychedelic situation of like the most scary thing you could ever experience, which is there is the fear that your child's not okay and you can't do anything to protect your child or control that situation. And then you choose one person and you project all of that fear, the mm. worst fears you could imagine onto that one person. And so I was in a headlock with another person who was doing the same thing. And it was right. super psychedelic, right. like the worst trip of your life. Right. Um, and through that, you know, through going through the legal system and all of these legitimate, like material world things I could do to try to fix the situation or control the situation, none of it worked. And I was left with the only thing that I could do to get out of living in this hell yep. that had completely taken over my life and the relationship that I was in um, at the time. 
and even enjoying my child and my physical body. You know, I went into like my autoimmune stuff really came up. It's funny how stress triggers that stuff. Yeah, it's all that. And um, so I just, I got squeezed and pushed into a place of I have to go within. And the only way out is to go in. And the only place that's going to let you out in is love. Yep and faith that everything's going to be okay and trust that um, I am not my child's God and I can't control everything. And um, whatever situation I'm in, I I can't blame any of that on anyone else. Mm -hmm. And nobody's behavior can dictate the kind of day I'm going to have. And that's one thing to intellectualize it because I'd been doing that for years, but it's another when you actually face it and, and you're scared, yep. really scared, really yep. upset. Um, so I put that into practice. It took years, but I was able to come out into the other side and like, hey, baby daddy's FaceTiming. So it's a big moment. Now you've come full circle. This yeah. person I hated, you know, lawyers, the whole thing. Now I can have a nice FaceTime conversation in a car in Europe. Yeah. And and with the other situation, you know, I really apply the same thing, um, which is, well, it did a few things. One, it indicated to me that I actually am in the right place. There was some time when, like right before that, you know, I had gone to India in April and I was thinking, hey, wellness seems like really saturated and... Everything that we do at Moon Juice is um, showing up on a menu somewhere else in the world. And like, I don't know, there's a lot of cool chicks out there with Instagram feeds that are like making tonics and like talking about sprouting seeds. So can I be off the hook now? (laughs) Can Rohan and I just move to India and like I'll go live in an ashram and I just feel done. Like what I'm doing is no longer relevant. And then this thing hit in the midst of me feeling completely irrelevant and like leave it to, you know, deliciously Ella or something. Um, (laughs) This happened. I was like, oh, shit. It just pulled me out of myself. I was like, no, no, there's a lot of work to be done. And there are people that are weirded out by this movement and they're not in a very loving place. And I don't know how many girls want to get up and have rotten tomatoes thrown at them all day. But I realized I do. (laughs) Like if that's what it takes, if that's right, you know, I'm, I'm down for that. And, um, and it energizes me in a weird way. It just, it shows me that I'm speaking, I'm being heard by the right people because preaching to the choir became something when I looked at it, it was like, this isn't, this is not where I should be. I should be scrubbing a floor in an ashram instead of talking to my friends about Quinton. So like you are like, you're a press machine to some degree. And why do you think people are so fascinated by you? And you've got like a cult following and like th- there's like, what know. do you think it is? Like, do you ever like, do you ever think like, I don't get it. I kind of don't get it. <laughs> what do you think? What I think, I think what is so unique about you is I, I do think and, and, and knowing you pretty well, I think, um, 
you have a unique self-awareness that you know you're out there, but you're also grounded to some degree. I think there are <laughs> to people, some degree. <laughs> well, you know that you're out. You know that you like we, you will often preface things with like, okay, so this is some crazy shit. And I also know people who won't preface mm-hmm. sentences like that. Uh, I also think that you, your story and the way you communicate and like your brand is like almost like feminist 2.0 <laughs> like almost like a, a little bit of a Gloria Steinem thing like you're like fuck it like I'm Amanda Chantel Bacon like this is moon juice like I am who I am take it or leave it there's a feminist empowerment like to that which I think is it, like, it's very different than what other people are doing there but it's like I know who I am love me or hate me like this is who I am and I think that's powerful and resonates with a lot of people you're like fuck it like it's dust time and like, it's, fuck it it's i'm like too dusted to care well yeah and, and like you're you're authentic i think that's a big thing like you you live this way i've spe- you know it's like we're in the car in the uk and like you pull out the dust and you got your powders <laughs> and you're you're mixing them everywhere so that, that's my best guess but well that's um that's a huge compliment to hear it like that. I don't know. Honestly, I've gotten to a place where I feel less and less self, yeah. if that makes sense. I don't know. You know, I also have this feeling about my child where um, I don't always, I don't feel like I own my child. Right. Um, so there are some parents that are like, oh, it looks just like me. And can right. you believe we made this person? And right. I never really felt like that. And I feel like that less. He, he is his own person he is his own soul i get to feed him and care for him and love him and tend to him and all of these things um i almost feel that way about my body yep and so i feel like my body and my mind are these tools these machines and i've been given the opportunity to take care of them and yep. so I, I actually really do run my body you know that like l diary thing that or whatever yep. that people freaked out about it's like please tip of the iceberg that was tame like if you knew what i really fucking did in a day to keep up with right. the mission that i'm on like you'd really well, hate me well yeah so i want to talk about that too like so being a single mom like moon juice is a serious business like you're doing millions in rent like this is a real business like mm-hmm. what is your you know and we've talked about this like what's that like it's cool. It's like, I mean, I think the only way that I can meet it day to day is really going into this place of um, there is an energy force that's bigger. There's a, there's a natural force that wants to come onto the planet. Um, there's consciousness that needs mm-hmm. to come onto the planet. And I feel the urgency around it. And so I take care of my body like you would a car. Yep. Um, that you know you're like on a racetrack with and yeah. going round and round so I do that I, I try to take care of my mind in um, keeping it clear meditating yeah. every day and um, just stay stand like just to stand attention and be clear every day so that I can show up and deliver and whether that's in a board meeting or sure. in a press thing or creatively or as a mother and on an airplane. I don't know what time yeah. zone I'm in, where am I? Um, but to just stay open and 
be able to receive and deliver. That's kind of like sure. the mission. And build a business. Yeah, that's part of like that's that is part of um, receiving and delivering. Sure. So we think about people who struggle and wellness with money and capitalism and what do I think about that? Yeah. Like how do you balance that? Like it's you know, mission versus we need to pay the bills, we need to grow. Well, I see that as part of the mission yep. because I want to have a conversation with the entire world. And to do that, I need to build a legitimate platform. Yep. Um, and to build a legitimate platform, it seems the route that I'm on now is building a legitimate business. So so where do you want to get like where's where do you want to be in 5 years with Moon Juice? What's the, what's the Moon Juice? Like, how big like what do you want to be doing? <laughs> what is what is Moon Juice of the future? What is uh, the Moon Juice lifestyle of the future? I was I was it's funny I was doing cryo with this great guy in LA that does cryo for me, which is cryotherapy. Yeah, which is yeah. like one of the things I do to keep my body intact with all the traveling and the whatever and it yeah. helps with the inflammation um so i'm doing that and he's trying to keep me like distracted and kind of awake as i'm yeah. freezing my body for three minutes and so his question of the day he's like this hysterical guy um his question of the day is he's like okay hey amanda what do you want what's your goal and i was yeah. like jesus christ man i'm freezing like are you joking and so i kind of can't think and i'm like i want to go global and that came out of my mouth and i'm naked in a cryo chamber <laughs> <laughs> like, and I don't know, that was truth. You know, right. I, I was not politely sitting here in a studio um, and naked and in negative 250 degrees. My answer is I want to go global. Um, and he was laughing. He was like, shit, I've asked that question all morning. Like one guy said he wanted a house in the Palisades. <laughs> the other woman said she wanted a nice boyfriend. Damn. Oh, I love it. Well, I think we're going to end with that, but. We have to talk about the cookbook. Yeah. Which is amazing. The Moon Juice Cookbook. Yeah. Which came out recently. Yes, it did. And talk to me quickly about why the inspiration for this and why everyone has to go out and buy this. Well. Just look at the cover. But I mean, everyone has to go out and buy it because, Jeez. look, there's like an, an owl still life taken on my marble shower floor with like turmeric <laughs> and some crystals and a cherimoya with a Herkimer diamond heart in the, like, come on, man. <laughs> That's then, a cookbook. And my, okay, one last, I think there are a lot of things that people learned about you that they mm -hmm. didn't know in this, but what's one thing no one knows about you that you'd be comfortable sharing? <sighs> Although I think a lot of that just came out. But. I don't know. You could really ask me anything. I'd tell you anything. Even people like seriously are always like, oh, do you mind? I'm like, do you mind? I've been waiting all day for somebody to ask me an uncomfortable question. Um, well, I forgot my wallet and I'm getting picked up to go to a very mysterious meeting in Pennsylvania right now. And I literally brought the wrong bag, and so I don't have my wallet. Um, Jason, <laughs> I need you to loan me 20 bucks. You can do that. Just in case anything weird happens. <laughs> um, 
Okay. Bet so you didn't know that about me. I did not. So but I was going to hit you up for Forgetting some cash. things is okay. It happens. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. It's great to see Thanks, you. Thanks, Jason. Everyone go buy the cookbook. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda.